This is Notable Nerds, a pro nerd report podcast where we introduce you to really cool nerds who are doing really cool things. I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, and my goal is to highlight nerdy, talented people who are killing it in the world. In each episode, we will hear their origin story, and they will impart a bit of advice and wisdom to others who might be looking to get in their industry or just learn something new. Without further ado, thank you for joining us, and now let's meet today's Notable Nerd. Go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we have a very special guest joining us today. He is the one, the only, Lit Unplay. Lit, how you doing? Woo! I am very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. That intro was phenomenal. I was eating up every second of it. Man, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. So for the people who don't know you, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. So my name is Alfredo. That is my Mm -hmm. real life name. But online, I go by Literally Unplayable or Lit Unplay for short. For mm-hmm. short, I started my channel Literally Unplayable uh, around the time the pandemic started. So about two years uh, back in, I want to say like June of 2020. And the whole idea was I wanted to find video games and review them, discuss them, and focus on what makes a game literally unplayable. From just a minor inconvenience to, oh, that was annoying to game-breaking issues. Uh, a friend of mine was the one who encouraged me. He said, dude, you're really funny. You have that gift for video editing and whatnot. So you should totally start a YouTube channel, make videos. And then one thing led to the other and I ended up streaming. And now it's a whole thing. I have my own like little presence in my own corner of the internet. That's really dope. <laughs> so which side do you like more? Do you like the YouTube side of things or the streaming side? I think both of them have their pros and cons, right? You really enjoy watching a video that I've put together once it's already done, getting mm-hmm. to see the final product and just thinking like, oh, I remember struggling with that little thing and not knowing how I was going to get something done and seeing it come together. It's just so satisfying. And I watch videos that I've posted two years ago, like I'll rewatch them today and it's, oh my gosh, that looks so cool. But I also really enjoy the streaming side of things. I get to slowly build a community. I get to interact with people on the spot as we're either discussing something, playing a video game together. I've had some really neat experiences while streaming. So I think I'm going to go with streaming. I think I do okay. enjoy that most. Okay, okay. That kind of surprised me because you started off, I was like, oh, he's picking he's picking the YouTube side of things, but you turned it around on me. So I did. Lit. I'm all got, full of surprises. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. So lit. I gotta ask you for all my first time guests, we do a segment called Putting You on the Spot, where I ask each one of my first time guests, what's their favorite five video games of all time? You're a first time guest here. You're no exception to the rule. I gotta <laughs> hit you. I gotta hit you with the question. So what is your favorite games of all time? All right, I'm going to give them to you in reverse order Okay. <clears throat> after okay. I clear my throat. Yeah, we got to build up. We got to build up some anticipation. Okay, okay. Some people <laughs> are scared to do the challenge. Some people say, wow, I can't name, I can't do an order. <laughs> You're going all in, though. Yes, I am. I, I like it's that. actually, it's funny because I've actually put some thought into that. And I actually have a list. I don't know if you're familiar with a GG app. So I actually have a list of my top 30 favorite video games of all time. So top five is not that, that hard to think of. Okay, okay. So um, let's go. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So number five, I got to give it to The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. Okay. Love The Legend of Zelda. And Twilight Princess with that darker storyline and more realistic graphics was just like everything I needed out of a Zelda game. Number four, we're going to go with The Last of Us Part One. Let's go. Yeah. Phenomenal game. One of the greatest stories I've ever experienced in any video game. Mm -hmm. Gameplay is majestic and Naughty Dog just knows what they're doing for sure. Specifically the remake, the one that just came out for the PS5. Yeah. Graphical overhaul was just beautiful. Like the game itself was perfect. 
and giving it that graphical overhaul with a couple of new mechanics was just like chef's kiss. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Number three, we are going to go with Hollow Knight. You know, right. We got to put some indies in there. The indies mm -hmm. are basically carrying my channel and my streaming at this point. <laughs> so I love me some indie games. And Hollow Knight was just a phenomenal, beautiful experience that I had never experienced with an indie game. And it just made me really fall in love with Metroidvanias. And that's like my go-to indie genre now because of Hollow Knight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And number two goes to Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Sekiro, oh, okay. I am a huge From Software guy. We're not talking indies. I'm most likely playing action adventure RPGs. And okay. my go-to is From Software games. And Sekiro, Dark Souls was great. Bloodborne was phenomenal. Elden Ring is really good. But there was something so unique and amazing about Sekiro. And it's a deflect system and just its general combat that I gobbled it up. I was like, this is phenomenal if you talk to anybody in my channel they'll tell you oh yeah Sekiro's his favorite game but in reality there's actually one other game that I <laughs> okay. about Sekiro. i'm and excited that, what is it and that to me is a near automata whoa okay yeah okay. i that game came into my life around a time where i was having some troubles in life there was a lot of self-doubt almost like imposter syndrome with life in general, and just a lot of not good things going on in life. I had a lot of questions about basically questioning our existence. Like, what are we doing as a species? Like, why am I here? Not to get super real on the podcast, but <laughs> no, it's all, good. all of these questions of like, almost like a self-identity crisis. And that game's story was so profound. It was so good at telling the story. And it just hit me on a way that no video game has ever hit me on story alone. Okay. It was just so well crafted. It's such a powerful story. And it helped me through this time and answer it helped me answer a lot of questions, or at least guide me in the direction of thinking on how to answer these questions. In terms of gameplay, the gameplay is amazing. Similar to games like Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, mm -hmm. Action Adventure, RPG, really clean combat. The music, but I think that has to be the greatest part of the game. The music alone is it's really top good. tier. It's really it's good. phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I will die on this hill. There is no video game out there with a better soundtrack than Nier Automata. Whoa, man, you're dropping some bombs. Like you, are you dropping can some you can bombs. quote me. Yeah, we said it here. It's here. I said it. Oh, Come wow. at me, <laughs> man. Because I'm like I like I haven't done a concise list, but immediately I was like, man, Persona Five that has a banger soundtrack, and I was like, I agree. Persona Five has a phenomenal soundtrack. Uh -huh. I, I'm not a huge fan of the game mm -hmm. per se, but I will agree. The soundtrack is beautiful, but I still think that Nier Automata is far superior to it. I can respect that. I can respect that. <laughs> I will before I go on to like the rest of the show though, I gotta ask you. So is it the soundtrack as a whole, or is there one like song that you think is like superb that kind of is like the highlight of the soundtrack? I think the whole soundtrack as a whole, like the entirety of it mm -hmm. works phenomenal for the story bits, the emotional moments. The music just hits right to reflect the current mood of what's happening on screen. Yep. Both Weight of the World and Song of the Ancients are oh, really good ones. phenomenal yeah. pieces of music. And one of, one of the really cool things about the soundtrack for Automata is that the composer, I forget her name, but she created basically a whole new language just to fit some of these songs. So, for example, Weight of the World has English version and Japanese version, but then they created this thing called Chaos Language, which is supposed to be this mix of Irish, Gaelic, French... And like almost like Spanish too, like all combined. And what they imagined this mix of languages would sound like 10,000 years into the future. Just the idea, like how many video game OSTs do you know that created a whole language just to make a different version of a song? That 
<laughs> yeah, that, that was mind-blowing to me. And uh, yeah, I just think the OST is superb. Keiichi Okabe, the composer, mm-hmm. that guy that guy just knows what he's doing. Anything he touches for video game music is just like straight heat. Okay, okay, I got you, I got you. <laughs> I like that, I like that. So you have a reviewer's mind. We can already tell you are articulating those <laughs> words perfectly. Let's segue into some of you, like what you do as far as reviewing games. How did that come to start? Like, how did you get started reviewing games? So going back to the origins of my channel, right? A friend of mine, we were playing games and we're like, oh my gosh, this game has so many issues. Hunt Showdown. Okay. Okay. So we started playing that game like the week it came out. Still in early access and whatnot, but we were like, this is bad. There's a lot of game breaking issues. There's a lot of like bad decisions. And my friend was like, somebody should complain about this. Someone needs to say something about this. And I was like, why don't I do that? So the first thing, and it's funny that I mentioned Hunt Showdown, but I've never actually reviewed the game. The idea originated with Hunt Showdown, but we actually, the first thing I reviewed was actually The Last of Us Part 2, which is coincidentally also the first game that I ever streamed. Well, where'd you fall on it? Okay. I think part one is better than part two. I don't think part two is a bad game. I really like part two, but I think there's a few issues with the story and the pacing of the story. Okay. Um, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I think Abby's side of the story felt a little pointless and Abby's sudden change of personality towards the end of the game felt so unearned. I don't think it was just, I don't think it was justified her sudden, oh, I don't want to be evil and kill people. I want to be nice and forgive people. It just, it, I was like, it was not earned. Let me ask you, like, I, and so I have a theory and I haven't really spoken to this on my channel yet, but like, I was all like, I have a theory on The Last of Us. Would you have liked The Last of Us Part Two more story-wise if like we had, you you play Miles Morales? Yeah. Or yeah, like if we had a Miles Morales side size of a Last of Us game that was in between Last of Us One mm. and, and Two, where it just focused was on Abby, where you got to know her, like we didn't have any context, you just got to know that character. Yeah. Do you think the game would have hit harder if we got like that whole like prologue that we actually got to experience in The Last of Us Part Two as a like its own standalone? I definitely think so. I think the big issue with playing as Abby. And wanting the player to feel that remorse. Because we see Abby, spoilers for anybody who has yeah, played yeah. The Last of Us Part 2. We see Abby kill Joel. That's basically like one of the first things we see Abby do. And then we play as Ellie. And at some point, we go back in time and we play through Abby's section. And the whole point of that, in my opinion, was to get the player to sympathize with Abby and understand how much, obviously, she loved her father. And losing her father was a, a big hit for her. But the issue to me was that, you know, no matter what kind of character development no matter what you did with abby the first thing that we see from her is her killing the character that we spent hours with in the first game that we fell in love between him and ellie and their relationship so it's really hard to want to redeem a character when the first thing you do is have them kill the character that you love yeah now if they had done something like miles morales they say they did the last of us part 1.5 right and we got to play as abby maybe before joel shows up to the hospital and kills her dad or even even after that as abby's journeying to find joel but we don't but we're not told what she's doing or who she's hunting down but we just get to experience her story isolated from the events of the last of us part one i think that would have helped the players develop a relationship with abby get invested in the character and interested in it. And then when we get to part two, we have 
Abby kill Joel. But now it's like you're emotionally conflicted because you like Joel as a character, but you also spend the whole game playing as Abby. So now it's, yeah. oh my God, it's like, what a, how do I feel? What am I doing? And I think, I think that, that would have been more powerful. Yeah, that could have worked. That really could have worked. I So let's talk about some of the other games you were reviewing, though. Like, sure. what have you reviewed recently? So the last thing that I reviewed was Beacon Pines. I don't Love know it. if you've heard of it. An all-indie game, which was actually a huge surprise for me. I did not... If I had read what that game was on paper, I would have been like, ah, this is not something. Visual novels have never seemed interesting to me. And the fact that... This indie visual novel caught my attention the moment I saw it announced was really intriguing for me. And at first, it looked like a cute, fun little game, all happy story. And it's oh, OK, whatever. And then you start playing it and you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> and shit goes down. It really yeah. does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. I remember. So so I had the creator, Matt, on the show where we talked about him. And I how, saw that video. Uh, oh, thanks. Well, like, yeah, where he and I like dove into what he thought of the game and like the process of making the game. But like, I am so surprised that it started off as an RPG. Like it was an RPG that yeah. he was making. And then he pivoted to this. And the fact that like the art style, the music and everything creates this really cozy vibe to where it makes it feel like this is going to be just a Winnie the Pooh kind of game. And then it just <laughs> completely turns on the head and you're like, oh, no, shit gets crazy. This is almost close to horror genre. Yeah, yeah, borderline. Are you a fan of anime? Do you watch anime? Oh, yeah, okay. for sure. Chainsaw Man, let's go. <clears throat> let's go. Bleach, Bleach coming back on Monday. Oh, my goodness. On Disney Plus and Hulu, I'm And so Hulu, Ken. I have been waiting since the anime ended back in, I forget the year, but I've been waiting for a good chunk of time for Bleach to come back. So I am very excited. Her um, character, though, real quick. Oh, Aizen. Oh, Easy. yeah. Oh, yeah. I was seeing him. Did you read the manga for it? I did not. I'm oh, going okay. into this. I know nice. roughly about the Quincy's, but like I, okay. I only know like surface level. I'm not like deep into okay. the war Perfect. or anything. And I will not say anything, but you <laughs> will love it. But yeah, speaking of anime, when I started playing Beacon Pines, the first Ooh. thing that came to mind was Made in Abyss. Oh yeah, I can see that. Made in Abyss was one of those animes that looked cute, uh, adventure. These kids diving into this hole in the ground, and it's okay, cute adventures. And you get halfway through the first season and it's what the heck is going on? It hits the fan really quickly. And that's exactly how I felt with Beacon Pines. Cute little story at the beginning. Characters, art style looks cute and all. And then you start getting into it and it's like, there's something oh, for sure. borderline horror going on here. For sure. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the moment the game turned for me. Like it was when you are like, when you're hiding in the dumpster and that moment to where you realize you grab something and it's not quite what you thought it was. And then you see what it is. And then, yeah, yeah I completely, oh, this is a completely different game. And then, then I, spoiler alert, I died. And <laughs> the narrator is, by yeah. the way, perfect job by the narrator. I think that's my favorite character is the narrator and how she like il illustrates like despair and all of her emotions while telling that journey. Oh, it's fantastic. 100% agree. Yeah. Fantastic. But she like, did a, Oh, sorry. No, she, go did ahead. An, she did an amazing job with just like conveying the emotions of being happy, despair, of being upset. That's mm -hmm. not how she wanted the story to end. It was just phenomenal. So did you play through the entire <clears throat> game? I did. I played through every single branch and got, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I got every ending. 
Okay. I haven't gotten back to get every single achievement yet, but I do intend to at some point. See, I'm a little bit of a different beast. Like I love achievements, but it really, I really have to be enticed to go back and like hunt after achievements. So this yeah. one is a game that while I love, it's also a narrative focused game to where I got all the narrative substance out of the game. So I don't know if I'm going back to it. That's fair. I think that's a, that's actually one of the things that I mentioned in my review. And I think that is probably the game's weakest aspect. But I think that's just the nature of visual novel games. Yeah, for sure. It's unless you pair the visual novel side with a RPG or some like fun gameplay mechanic, it's hard to get somebody to come back and have them sit through the story that they already know the beats to. So as a reviewer, like what so as a reviewer who and you are getting games sometimes on the early side sometimes you're playing games at the same time everyone else is what's your mindset going into it as a reviewer because i'm also like <laughs> i'm also like very much like starting off in, in the review world as well yeah. like i've probably reviewed maybe close to 15 to 30 games so far so nice. very early on in that yeah but yeah it is that mindset you really have to be in it to do this so yeah. how do you start your process so I try to, first of all, I try to just jump into the game with like no research, no anything. I want to get as genuine as a reaction as I can oh. out of the experience, right? Put up the game. I'll hit record to get gameplay. Normally, I also record my microphone to mm -hmm. back and listen, like how did I react? How did I initially feel about this particular aspect of the, of the game? But yeah, for the first time, the like the first playthrough, I try to just experience the game, right? I try to turn off the review brain. Like, I'm not trying to think, oh, I'm going to use this clip and explain this part of the plot this way. I try to just think of it like I just want to experience the game first. And normally, that's what I do. I'll go through the entire game, play as much of it until I'm satisfied. And then once I'm like, okay, I'm done. Now I got to start thinking in terms of review. Because that way, I feel like I keep myself from looking at segments of the game and making judgments based off not the whole picture. But once I have the full picture, it's like I can dissect it piece by piece. And typically what I end up doing is I'll talk about the story, I'll talk about the gameplay, the music and the art, the replayability. And then the last thing I talk about is the unplayability, which is a trademark pending. <laughs> it's like my own little thing where I devote a section of the review to talk about inconveniences and unplayability, as I call it. I got you. Yeah. So what's been some of your favorite reviews that you've done? Re really enjoyed making my review for Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, I um, love that game. Such a good game. Oh, it was such a good game. Beautiful open world with so much to do and explore. The combat was phenomenal. Like, I'm a sucker for anything that has samurai. It's like my aesthetic, right? Like samurai, sword fighting, and anything that has a good deflection system when it comes to oh, sword play. Ooh. I Like, that's it. I love that kind of stuff. So I love the game. And when I was putting the review together, it was the first review that I recorded footage for in 4K. It looked prettier. The game itself looked gorgeous. So it was just a, it was really nice to put it together. And I had a lot of good ideas coming off of my Last of Us Part 2 review. I had a lot of like neat ideas for visual effects and like how I wanted to present things. And I really enjoyed the progress I made from the Last of Us Part 2 review to this one. I'm also a huge JoJo fan. Yeah. Like I love JoJo, <laughs> Bizarre Adventure. And my thing is that in every review that I do, I put a little JoJo reference in it. Okay. Last of Us Part 2 had one for the To Be Continued Part 2. Ghost of Tsushima, I actually did the whole you're approaching me conversation between Dio <laughs> and Jotaro with Ghost of Tsushima, an instance where you do the quick draws. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the greatest cinematic masterpiece that I've ever put together. I love, if you haven't checked that out, you should totally check that. Specifically that part out. I love that. And I'll rewatch that every now and then. And I'm like, this is pure genius right there. <laughs> <laughs> I hype myself up. That's good. It's good, really good. Yeah. And you got something you can flex now. Yeah. <laughs> you got so that I did that. Mm-hmm. That was me. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So what are your, okay. So you've been re- reviewing games since 2020. What was your game of the year for last year, for 2021? For 2021, oh man, 2021 is a weak year for video games. It was. It was. If I recall correctly, It Takes Two was the game of the year, right? For the, the award game awards. Show. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. for the game awards. I think my pick for game of the first of all, I was, okay, so here's what happened. I just had the whole thing happen in my mind. My game of the year, which I was really upset wasn't even nominated for game of the year uh, in 2021, was Returnal. Oh, okay. I... So when the PlayStation came out, I obviously Mm -hmm. tried getting one, was unsuccessful. I didn't get my PlayStation till about eight months after release. Okay. So I got it somewhere in the summer of 2021. And I recall being so desperate to get a PS5 because of Returnal. Like I Mm -hmm. saw gameplay for it and I was like, this looks dope. I was like, this (laughs) game looks really good. I wasn't, back then, wasn't a huge fan of uh, procedurally generated Oh, okay. uh, procedurally generated games. And, and there's a word for it. And I'm blanking. Roguelike. Right Roguelikes. Thank mm-hmm. you. I wasn't a huge fan of roguelike games, but because of Returnal, I got really interested in them. And then I was in talks with a lot of devs who did roguelites. Mm-hmm. And I ended up playing and reviewing a bunch of them. So I, I like them now. I, I like them now. But yeah, to me, Returnal was such a phenomenal game. Like gameplay was insane. It looks so beautiful in the PS5. I was like, this has to be game of the year. And then the Game Awards rolled around and it wasn't even nominated. And I was like, the heck? I was How? shocked. I was really shocked because I yeah. thought it should have been nominated. It wasn't my game of the year, personally. I think my mine was Deathloop. I love oh, Deathloop. Deathloop. Okay. Mm-hmm. I gave Deathloop a try, but I also wasn't a huge fan of uh, Dishonored and Dishonored. Dishonored yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I thought they were okay. So De- Deathloop, I was like, eh, I, I wouldn't necessarily pick it. Though I will say It Takes Two was a fun, fun game. Mm-hmm. I played it with my girlfriend who she's in like a huge gamer. Like she'll play video games here and there. She It was a struggle to get her to start Breath of the Wild, but she did dive into it. But when It Takes Two came out, I was like, babe, this game is designed to be played with like your partner. And I think you would really enjoy it. And she's, I don't know, maybe. And we ended up playing it and she loved it. It was such a fun experience. We yelled at each other. We screamed. It was like a, <laughs> an IRL fight, just like in the game. But we definitely enjoyed it. So I could totally see how it won game of the year. And I was perfectly okay with it. I understand that. Yeah. So like spanning off of your answer there, have y'all played Overcooked together? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's another fight. <laughs> Every... It's funny, right? Because like I said, she's not a huge gamer. Every now and then she'll be like, oh, why don't we play Overcook? And I'll give her a look and I'm like, you want to like fight? Is that what you're trying to tell? <laughs> what did I do? What did I do that you want to pick a fight? She's no, I just want to play a game, a fun game. I'm like, Overcook is nothing but chaos. That's what you want. <laughs> she wants to smoke. She basically yeah. wants to smoke. Yeah. <laughs> In my mind, I'm like, what did I do that I, that I forget a special date? Did I mm-hmm. not pick up food or something? But no, it's all fun. Like we, we also enjoy Overcook, but yeah, it, it tends to be chaos. We'll play two or three levels and then I'm like, okay, we need to stop because otherwise we're going to start throwing hands. Well, you mentioned 2021's game of the year. What is your game of the year so far for 2022 though? 
Oh, let's see. I thought about this the other day and now I can't remember. Let's see. What has come out this year? So you got Sifu, you got Elden Ring, you have Oh, that's Kirby. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you. That that jogged my memory. Sifu, <laughs> Sifu was a fun game. It yeah. is. Another roguelite procedure. I, I guess it is procedurally generated. Maybe not the, the levels fun. aren't, but yeah. like it is a roguelite game. Yeah, yeah. Like, really fun game. Um hard. And when I, hard, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, when when I saw gameplay for it, based on the deflecting, hurrying, and the posture meter, I was like, oh, this is going to be like Sekiro, but with Kung Fu. And I started playing it, and I was like, wow, this is difficult. Oh, for sure. I thought it was going to be like Batman, like the Arkham games, to where yeah, like yeah. you can just like free for all, like really just you have a basic hit yeah. attack, and then you have a basic like parry counter kind of thing. Yep. And then I thought that was all it was going to be. I'm like, <laughs> no, they're teaching you Kung Fu, basically. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. And I think the hardest thing to learn from that game was that parrying attacks mm-hmm. and the way to go. No. It was walking, pulling back or forth on the stick to dodge attacks. And that, that took some time to learn. But once that clicked in, I was like, this is it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is good. I, as, um, as someone who's a firm, soft person, like you have to almost train your brain differently to play like to play Sifu versus playing like Elden Ring or playing yeah. like Sekiro. Because Sekiro yeah. is like it encourages you what is the saying i think it's like attack first it's all yep. yeah, yeah you have you have to be aggressive sekiro is mm-hmm. a game where you have to be aggressive whereas sifu you got to be patient oh yeah for sure for sure <laughs> so game of the year for me this year i had a huge internal debate earlier in the year because i i really enjoyed elden ring but i also instantly fell in love with horizon zero or not zero dawn now for let's West. go and i genuinely can't pick i don't know which one i preferred because Forbidden West was just, the game is gorgeous. Oh. Like, it has to be one of the best looking, if not the best looking game on PlayStation 5. It's mine. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just so much fun. Like, I got lost in it and it was just like, what's over there? I wanted to explore every single little corner. But I felt the same exact way with Elden Ring. When when Elden Ring came out, I was in the middle of playing Forbidden West because Forbidden West released a week before Elden Ring. Yeah. So I was in the middle of Forbidden West. And I even told my friend, I was like, I'm going to play Elden Ring for the weekend. And then I'm going to go right back to Forbidden West, finish it. And then I'm going to go back to Elden Ring. Oh, no. But I just couldn't. I could not put Elden Ring down. Like, I started playing Mm -hmm. Elden Ring. I played it that Thursday, starting around like 9 p.m., all the way till 3 in the morning. I took the day off from work on Friday. (laughs) I woke up, and I immediately went back to Elden Ring, and I played that the entire weekend, and I was just like, I can't stop. So I think as a From Software person, I have to be true to myself, and I think Elden Ring is game of the year so far. Okay, okay. I'm on the opposite side. Okay. You're, you're a Forbidden West. Yeah, but I'm a, I like narrative based stuff a little bit more. So this had a story that you didn't necessarily have to hunt for. And yeah. Elder Ring has a story, but it's like you very much have to hunt yeah. for it and you are the story, so to speak. And yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I, and plus, I think Horizons, it's a technical marvel. It really is like it's a beautiful game. It is a for showcase sure. kind of game. Horizon Elden Ring is something you play and you really just enjoy playing. Horizon yeah. is something when people come over and they're like, what is the PS5? That's the game I'm showing them. Like, this is what video games look like now. For sure. I mm-hmm. 100% agree. I will say, though, the year is far from done. And I oh, think there's boy. there's a pretty big <laughs> contender coming down the line, which might just change everyone's opinion. That's none other none other than God of War Ragnarok. Boy. And, yeah boy <laughs> i think it's it was really funny when people were like oh elden ring's gonna be game of the year there's no contender and then ragnarok was like teased or whatnot and people mm-hmm. were still like yeah it looks cool but whatever but then this last trailer that came oh, out for ragnarok goodness. 
it has me think it has me so excited first of all but it mm-hmm. has me believing that it could take uh game of the year from elden ring i have no doubt like i at this point it's like god of war is to lose in my mind because god of war 2018 to me is my in my top five like personally okay. speaking. i it's it's actually a number six or number seven for me okay okay yeah. i can respect that it's just yeah, it's th- such a good game that game is phenomenal and like the storytelling aspect of it the way like you and Kratos, you and Atreus react to one another and how y'all learn from each other. And the fact that Kratos is growing as a person, like before our very eyes, just like he is trying to raise his son. And like, we see Atreus grow before our eyes as well. So I'm like, it's such deep. There's so many deep layers to that game. And I cannot speak highly enough of 2018's God of War. So I'm excited. Ragnarok is my most anticipated game of the year. And I can't imagine that game not winning it's to lose at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's going to it's gonna rock the boat. And it's really going to come down to this might be the first year since I've been watching the Game Awards where the mm-hmm. player vote. You know how like the us as the audience we yeah. get to vote and it counts for 10% of the total vote 90% mm-hmm. is the actual judge panel i think this year the 10% might actually make a difference in terms of who wins game of the it year. might be the tiebreaker it yeah. might be the tiebreaker but yeah it's it, that conversation of game of the year is going to be so interesting because if like if god of war comes out and it does it, it is like a 10 out of 10 then you have two 10 out of 10s and then everything after that just is a matter of preference it's a matter yeah. of whether you're a person who really enjoyed Stray, Horizon, or Sifu, Kirby, I'm like, there's so many yeah. other kind of not necessarily smaller tier, but like lesser than tens out there that sure. really are like really gonna get noticed. But before we keep continue, like I got one minute left on this Zoom call, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> send you another Zoom call. Sure, right. sounds good. See you in one second. Sounds good. We were talking about game of the year and we were talking about possible contenders. Let's focus because like I have a topic that I'm going to do for my show. And I also uh, am going to do this on the website. Like I am going to do indie game of the year. And I want to challenge you like just really quick. I'm putting you on the spot. What is (laughs) what's some of your contenders for indie game of the year for you? For this year. Okay, let's see. Stray was really fun. I I don't know if you saw. I have two cats of my own. Yeah, they were sitting on the couch. Yep, they're sleeping there like they always do. Yeah, I'm a huge cat person now because of my girlfriend. And as soon as I saw that Stray was a thing, I told her about it and we were both so excited. We both sat on the couch and played it together. So I think, I'm trying to think, what other indies came out? There's a lot of indies that came out this year. Stray stands out to me. Which of Beacon Pines in? <laughs> yeah, Beacon Pines definitely in there, especially for that amazing storytelling and just like how much of a surprise it was to me that visual novel game could be that interesting. Yeah, it came out this year as well. Thymesia was a Souls-like, a very Sekiro Bloodborne indie game that came I'm out I'm currently year. playing that. I just started last night. Nice, nice. Yeah. What do you think it, of it so far? It is, to me, it is Sekiro and Bloodborne meets Devil May Cry. That's how I picture yeah. it. It's almost, there's a... Uh, arcadiness to that souls genre and yep. especially when you have like the like the it's version of the alchemistic magic where you're pulling like someone's weapon from them and then yeah. you're able to now use like a projected green lantern type version of their sword or like their spear it is yeah. very different it is it's still bloodborne in a sense to where like the action and the like the vibe is very much that gothic and quick speed nuanced action style versus like demon souls which is a lot slower a lot more methodical so it is for sure 
it is a game that I think is a really good game and I'm not sure where I'm going to fall on it like score wise <laughs> yet, but like it's a solid game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think out of the ones I mentioned, I might have to give it to Thymesia. Thymesia, I really enjoyed this year. Another game that came out earlier in the year, a really amazing indie was Silt. I don't know if you got around to playing I that one. I haven't played that one yet. So give me Silt. the general pre- premise. So did you ever play Limbo? Oh, yeah. So Silt is, imagine Limbo in water. Oh, yeah. that sounds interesting. It it was a very neat concept when it was announced. I think it was announced in E3 last year, and then the game finally released early this year. I guess i I had a lot. I had a really good relationship with the devs from commenting on their stuff and like retweeting it and whatnot. And they actually reached out to me, and they're like, "Hey, we see you supporting our game, and we're really excited for our game. And thank you so much for all the hyping up and whatnot." And they were super nice. They sent me. They actually sent me. I'll tell you as I unfold this up. They sent me a code for the game to review it and test it early they also send me a physical package all the way from the uk oh that's uh, sweet with their like marketing stuff so they send me all of these they're like postcards that have images oh. from the game mm-hmm. and they send me a couple of other goodies but yeah they're really awesome devs and the game is just phenomenal so i highly recommend if you haven't checked out silt to definitely check out silt it's uh, art style like just now reminds me of like inside but also reminds me of hollow knight a bit Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's so they took inspiration out of Inside Limbo Little Nightmares if you've played mm-hmm. that one. I'm Isn't a Joe, I haven't played a whole lot of it. <laughs> that's un- no, I I feel you. So, some some indie games can be terrifying. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, Silt is a phenomenal game. It has it's one of those stories that the game doesn't necessarily feed you the story. You mm-hmm. have to like read in between the lines. But there's some really cool foreshadowing to what ends up happening later in the game. And the gameplay is really cool. It's a little puzzle, so it's Uh, There's four major sections in the game, and each of them have their own little unique style of play, little puzzles that you have to solve. But the main mechanic is that you play as this diver who can possess other creatures. Oh, that's Um, really cool. So you can possess piranhas, you can possess uh, hammerhead sharks, and you have to navigate your way through the puzzles by using the abilities that these different animals have. Okay. Okay. That's really dope. Yeah. I'm I'm going to do an exercise with you. I'm going to read out some indie games right now. And you tell me, like, at the end of it, you tell me which ones you played. And then if any of these go in the contender spot, like contender for the indie game of the year. All right. So here we go. All right. All right. You got Ollie World, Sifu. You got Oxenfree 2, Weird West, Sea of Stars, Little Little Devil Inside hasn't come out yet. No, not yet. Tunic, Stray, Baron Breakfast. Let's see. Thirsty Suitors. You have Silt. You have Card Shark. Let's see. What's another hindsight? Okay. Cult of the Lamb. Ah, that's right. <laughs> totally forgot lamb. about Cult mm-hmm. of the Lamb. And let's see. I know I'm forgetting some. There's been a ton of really there's banger been... indie games yeah. coming. The, there's indie game comes out like every day, it seems like. But yep. out of those, what kind of strikes you? Cult of the Lamb is a really fun game. I haven't played it myself, but from what I've seen so far, like it looks like such a cool idea for a game. It's fun. Yeah, I definitely need to put that in the backlog of things to play because it, it, it just looks like the art style is so cute. But <laughs> you're this cult. It is fun. Um, it really is. It grabs yeah. you and it doesn't let go, especially okay. if you're starting to fall in love with roguelike. Like it is very roguelike, but it's also like a manager like a city manager kind of style yeah so if you like both of those genres and it's a weird mixture and it comes together really well okay okay tunic was another one you mentioned tunic Mm -hmm. was cool like it felt very like a zelda game 
Yeah. From like a 2.5D asymmetric. It's awakening kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Yeah, I did like Tunic. I haven't finished it yet, but it reminded me a little bit about Death Store. I loved Death Store. Yeah, Death Store. Really good game. Um, I don't think it's necessarily an indie game, but it's also not like a huge AAA game called Voice of Cards. Oh. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think it technically falls under indie since it's square enix and was square the developer or were they just a publisher though oh yeah i think i they were definitely the publishers i don't mm-hmm. recall if they also uh, who developed voice of cards but there's three of them by now um, stray was also an indie game yeah so. stray stray mm-hmm. stray was really good yeah we talked about stray let's see here i'm gonna i'm gonna have to pull up a list because i <laughs> there's so many indie let's see indie games that released in 2020 too. But yeah, there's a lot of them. I'm assuming this is the same list that you are reading. Yeah, probably. Dolly World was one of those games that look really cute and mm-hmm. like really cool art style. I haven't played it, but everybody that I've talked to that has played it told me nothing but good things about I've it. I've heard remarkably good things about it, but I've not dove into it at all. Yeah. There's so many. It's hard to get around to all of the cool looking ones when there's just so many going left and right. Yeah. Another really good indie game that you should that released our last month in September is uh, you suck at parking. Oh, I played that on Game Pass. Oh my god, <laughs> I had so much fun playing that. My girlfriend, she's like, "What are you playing?" And she pulled up a chair next to me, and she was hooked. Like, this is so much fun. And I kid you, I love puzzle games that are like fairly simple. And how simple is that? Like, here's your cargo, park it. But how intricate oh, they made so that game. It's so difficult. It's so hard. There are some levels that it is ridiculous how hard it is to park your car. And I was like, yeah, I suck at parking. <laughs> Especially with the ramps involved, man. Like the ramps. And then they add the, mines, like mines in the ground. And I'm like, yep. oh, this ain't fair anymore. Yeah. The ones where you got to speed up and mm-hmm. there's like the gravity, the fans pushing oh, you. yeah. It was just, it, it became a lot really quickly. <laughs> it really is. It's a fun game, though. Like, it's a really simple concept that you wouldn't expect to be, like, really addicting. But it is. It's so addicting. It's so fun. And it's so simple. Like, I can't recommend that game enough. Yeah, for sure. Let's see what else. I got a couple other indie games. I forget exactly when they came out. Did you play Trick to Yumi? Oh, Trek to, Trek to Yomi, I yeah. think. Yet again, another samurai game with yeah. a nice deflect system. I did play that. I played that around the time that I got my Steam Deck. So I actually played all of it on my Steam Deck. And okay. I, it was a really, really good game in terms of gameplay. Story, I think it was okay. Nothing new, nothing mm-hmm. that hasn't been done before. The gameplay was good. It did have a couple of bugs. A lot of people mm-hmm. were complaining that sometimes the game was just like unresponsive. And I faced it myself. There were plenty of times where I could have sworn I pressed deflect in time, but the game, yeah. no, you got hit. But yeah, that one was good. I personally liked it, but I know that it did get mixed reviews. I was mixed on it. I was very much in that like middle ground kind of thing because I really love that art style. I think that art style is phenomenal, like absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah, and Kurosawa person, style. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's a yeah. person that's big into like samurais and anime. It felt like a mixture of both. And yeah. man, I just couldn't vibe with the gameplay. Like I really like the aesthetic of it. The story was just a simple revenge quest, like your typical samurai kind of story. But yeah. I really just couldn't vibe with that gameplay. I, I feel you. No, for sure. It's definitely not for everybody. I mm-hmm. think if the game got a little bit more polished, one of the one of the other things that I had a huge issue with was the fact that there was no chapter select. Oh yeah. Once you finish mm-hmm. the game, 
you know, any collectibles and anything you had that you wanted to complete, you they were gone. You had mm-hmm. to basically start a completely new run. So I think a chapter select is one of those like must for games oh, yeah. like these. But yeah, it, it definitely had a lot of like technical little things that could be improved to make the game a lot better. Mm-hmm. So I got a challenge for you. I on the show, I'm doing a super fast, quick round robin style game to where okay. it is. You're going to choose your preference and your preference. I'm going to ask you a, a, like a series of questions. You're just going to quick fire your answer without really a lot of thought. I want to see what you come <laughs> up with. OK. All right. So you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Favorite topping on pizza? Pepperoni. Okay. Favorite anime character? Aizen Sosuke from Bleach. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Best Ninja Turtle? Oh, Leonardo. Okay. Okay. You you made it. So who was right? (laughs) Who was right? Captain America or Iron Man? Oh, Captain America for sure. (laughs) I could, listen, I've been meaning to make a YouTube video about that, but I could go Mm -hmm. on a whole rant about why Cap was right and Tony wasn't, but... (laughs) So, who would win in a fight, the Mando or Bo- uh, Boba Fett? Oh, Mando. Mm-hmm. Easy. Okay, okay. And what character would you not? Or okay, if you got sucked up by Kirby, what would your what would he inherit your powers? <laughs> what powers would he get from you? I feel like I have to say depression because that's the joke <laughs> that everybody cracks. Mm-hmm. Right? But if Kirby absorbed me, he would probably get the powers of being either like really thorough or a completionist mm-hmm. at whatever he does. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I tend to be obnoxiously thorough and a perfectionist about things. If you <laughs> say, if you could say so. I gotcha. If you, your favorite Super Smash Brother character. Link. Okay. Okay. What version? Yeah. The one from Ultimate. Uh, okay, so gotcha. the Breath of the mm-hmm. Wild version. Yeah. I gotcha. Gotcha. Which and... is funny. So that is my favorite character, but it's not mm-hmm. the one that I play the most or I main. What, who are you made? Marth. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I really playing as Marth and Roy. Link is my boy. Yeah, Roy. but Link has been my boy since like the original game. So I got one last question for you. Who's the better father, Kratos or Joel? Oh, <laughs> are you gonna ask me something like that? Oh man. Okay, if I have to pick one like quickly, right? I would say Joel. Okay. I, What's the reasoning? So my reasoning behind that is that Joel basically doomed all of humanity because of a because of his love for someone who's not actually his daughter but someone that you know it's that saying what's the saying where you pick family but your or family you don't pick but friends you do right in the sense that you're born with your family like you didn't have a say in that but the people that you choose to love your friends are the people that you pick and you stick together because you have some connection to them that's a little bit stronger than oh i was just born into this right and with joel obviously he loses his daughter he's really that's completely devastating for him but then he somehow manages to allow himself to feel to open up again and he falls in love with ellie in this like father pseudo father pseudo daughter relationship and he chooses he knows logically that this operation they sacrifice the one person they create a cure for humanity but he loved ellie so much that he chose not to do that he chose to protect his daughter who he, the person he saw as his daughter, he chose to defend her, protect her, forsake humanity because of that love that he shared for her. Um, and just the way that he teaches her things. And the game's really good about showing how Ellie has learned all these different things from Joel. And it's just so awesome. Even 
with Joel gone, it's still really cool to see all the things that Ellie has learned from Joel, values that she upholds. And I think that just speaks volumes to how good of a teacher, how good of a father Joel was to her. Not to discredit Kratos or anything like that. <laughs> I just, I don't want to get my ass beat, but I think I would pick Joel as the better father. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's some solid logic. That's some solid logic. It can go back and forth, but I think that's a very sure. solid logic. For sure. Yeah. So, Lit, it's been very good having you on the show. I got to have you back. I got to have you back soon. I got to get your impressions on God of War Ragnarok on oh, Bleach I as it comes to. out. Yeah, yes, for sure. We definitely, we have, definitely have lots to discuss. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, before we go, though, where can the good people find you? So, if you want to catch up with me, you can look me up at Lit on Play pretty much anywhere. Instagram, Twitter is where I'm most active. I also have a Discord server. I can send you a link if you want to share that with people. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, Twitter and Discord are the best places to catch me at. I also stream on Twitch pretty much every week. And you can also find me as Lit on Play. And yeah, that's uh, the places that I hang out. What's the Twitch schedule like? So the Twitch schedule, I typically stream Fridays. Fridays and Saturdays, if I have the free time, I'll throw a stream during the week. But for sure, Fridays. Fridays and Saturdays are my go-to days around uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, yep. you heard it. You now have no excuse. You got to go follow <laughs> the man. You got to go look at his socials and you got to go watch the streams. He is phenomenal at killing it as a reviewer and a content creator. And I can't wait to have you back on the show. Thank you again oh. for being on. Thank you so much. And if I may, right before I leave, I do want to give you a list of indie games that you should totally check out. They okay. haven't released it. They're upcoming, but you should totally keep them in your radar. Number and once again, I'm going to give them to you in descending or order. ascending order. Yeah. So you should totally keep an eye out on Mortal Right. Okay. So if you're a fan of Souls like, Mortal Right is a procedurally generated roguelike game that is being developed as we speak. It is planning on releasing 2023, I believe. That is Mortal Right. Phenomenal game. Then you should also be on the lookout for Bow, Path of the Teal Lotus. Very similar to Hollow Knight in terms of gameplay, a Metroidvania 2D side-scroller with a focus on Japanese culture and folklore. Beautiful looking game, phenomenal gameplay that I may or may not be a play testing as we speak. What? I don't know. NDAs, <laughs> right? No, thankfully, I, I can say that I am a beta tester for the game. Okay. I'm not allowed to show anything about it, but it is pretty good. Definitely okay. a game that you want to keep your eyes on. Of course, Crowsorn. Okay. Uh, yeah, Crowsorn is a very Hollow Knight inspired game that just looks phenomenal. The gameplay looks insane. There was a demo available to people who backed up the game on Kickstarter. It It, it is going to be the next Hollow Knight. It is going to be the next big Metroidvania game. That's exciting. Oh, yeah, it's exciting. It's super exciting. Obviously, Hollow Knight Silk Song. No mm -hmm. need to explain anything there. But then my number one indie, the number one indie that I am most looking forward to is called Nine Souls. Nine Souls. Souls. I got to look yeah. this up. Souls as in S-O-L-S, -S, not Souls as in like your soul. Oh, okay. It is. And you ready for this? Because this is the greatest explanation on paper. And then when you see it in gameplay, it's even better. It is the perfect combination of Hollow Knight's deflecting system. What? Okay. Okay, that sounds fun. I read that and I was like, if this isn't the game for me, then I don't know what it is. There's a demo available. You can check okay. it out on Steam. It It is, I kid you not, the greatest thing ever. It is Hollow Knight with a gorgeous art style. Beautiful hand-drawn Metroidvania with this majestic art style. And it has Sekiro-inspired combat, specifically a deflect system that plays like Sekiro. Okay, that's definitely, yeah. I definitely got to check that out because that sounds like a must play. For sure. But yeah, that's like the cute little indies that you need to check out. 
Okay, I like that. I like that. <laughs> Every time you're on, you're gonna have to do this segment now. You're gonna have for to sure. Do this. I can keep you posted. Indies are like I said, indies are carrying my channel, so I try to keep on the loop of things. I'm pretty involved with Akupara Games, with mm-hmm. Neon Doctrine. Speaking of Neon Doctrine, another really good indie game you got to check out is The Legend of Tianding. Let me write and that I, down too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I do got to throw a little plug in there for The Legend of Tianding because the devs are amazing people, super fun people, and I'm also the current world record holder for the any percent category of The Legend of Tianding. What? That's amazing. Yeah. How does it feel to hold a world record, man? It's insane. Because, you know, there's four people who run the game. So it's a pretty small uh, speedrunning community. But I played the game and I was like, this is so much fun. I wanted to keep playing the game. So I was the one who started the community. I made a Discord server. I made the speedrun.com page. And we've been trying to keep it updated. I haven't, I've been slacking a little bit ever since I got the world record. I haven't been putting as much effort into it as I should, but I do want to get back to it. Okay. Okay. So it's been great having you on the show. We're going to have to have you back on real soon. I would love nothing more. Oh, man. (laughs) Like you're a part of the pro nerd fam now. So like whenever (laughs) you you feel like it, just hit me up and we're going to have you right back on the show. But until then, peace out, man. Thank you. Have a good one. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I just want to remind you that you can get notable nerds every single Thursday. And we're going to bring you the dopest guest in the nerd community. If you want to suggest a nerd that you think should be on the show or discuss topics of an episode with others, join us on the Pro Nerd Report Facebook group. Once you're in, go ahead and provide some feedback. The link to join us in the Pro Nerd Report free Facebook group is in the show notes. We want to thank you for joining us today and we hope to catch you every single Thursday. Holla at your boy later. Peace.